Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. How have you been? We have been on a, a, a hiatus once again and man, I, I've got to get on top of things. It's, it's fast forwarding into winter time here in the southeastern United States. I don't know what it's like in your world, wherever you are on this earth, but it is getting cold here. It's presently 25 degrees and I'm sitting here in my house looking out the window. A little bit of snow here and there, not much, um, but man, crazy cold. Another gray day, good day to get some stuff accomplished inside. And so, of course, fully knowing that I don't have very many podcasts that are coming out right now, I have been I have been working to finish two uh, lengthy studies that I've been doing. One of them has been months long, and it is almost done. And the other one is something kind of new that's popped on the scene about a week ago, seven to ten days ago, that I'm trying to finish as well. And I'm hoping to get those recorded probably in video form in the next several days. That's my goal anyway. But I did want to jump on today and do a very short program that's based on our whiteboard teaching um, that we do on Facebook, and, and specifically the one that was from today. Not every morning, but many mornings, I read excerpts from Charles Spurgeon sermons and or books. I have this book. It's very, very old. It's called Flashes of Thought. It's an extremely old copy. It's it's one of the original copies. The binding is pretty stinky on it. Um, I love it. I have it in my hand right now. I love holding it and turning the pages carefully. And with regularity, I try to most days read a paragraph out of it. Now, now, even Spurgeon quotes and, and, and things that he taught in his messages are never entirely absolute go-to doctrines. We And that's okay. A lot of people are very threatened by like, well, this guy did this and this guy said that. And, you know, we have to hold that rightly. We have to hold that very tenderly and realize that if we cannot give ourselves to what any individual ever says, teaches, or even recommends because they're flawed, well, then why in the world would anyone ever listen to us? Why would anyone listen to anything you would say? Or if you're a teacher, if you're a speaker, if you're a pastor leader, are you free from error? You know, we have to be careful. And that, of course, does not give us license to say, well, there's this guy who is this, this, and this, and but who really cares? It doesn't matter anyway. No one's perfect. As we're always promoting here on the program, we have got to be rightly balanced and fair and full. And so with that in mind, I'm not saying I am a Spurgeon proponent to the nth degree where anything he says is, is doctrine, but he does have a lot of interesting perspectives that, oddly enough, although old from our perspective, very applicable today. Many, many times I will read things about things that he wrote about his his present moment then of, of culture and and just different facets within the church. And he was often critical of the church, trying to call her up higher, trying to challenge her to, to shake off her worldliness in many ways. 
I read it and I think, man, this is true for my age. This is true today, as much so as it was then, I'm sure, I guess, or he wouldn't have penned it when he did. So I want to read something today that is out of this book, Flashes of Thought, which again is just topic, it's topically divided and has paragraphs therein underneath each topic, just little short excerpts, basically. And the one I read today and that I posted on our whiteboard was called Manifestation of the Inner Life. Manifestation of the Inner Life. And I just want to read this short paragraph today and just have a slight bit of commentary about it to try to, once again, as we're always doing here, question and challenge every single thing we do, why, and and analyze to no end what we are doing who we are. Okay, I'm going to read that and then we'll just get to some some thoughts about it here in a little bit. The divine life is such a thing of force that surrounding circumstances do not operate upon it as you might have supposed. In frosty weather, when we have seen the rivers frozen across, we have been told by peasants that the old spring head on the side of the hill was flowing on as the same as ever. Decorated with icicles up to the edge of the old spout, still the stream gushes out. So, a Christian may be placed in the worst imaginable circumstances. He may live in a family so ungodly that the name of Christ is only used to blaspheme with. He may scarcely ever meet with a Christian associate. He may even be denied the means of grace. The Bible itself may be taken from him. But... If the inner life be there, such is the native heat that you cannot freeze it. Such is its constant force and power that it will continue flowing still. And that's the end of the paragraph. Now, here's the thing that just stuck out to me this morning. We are in a climate, we are in an environment right now in this nation, and I would say the world in in different measures, where circumstances, environment, is is a heavy-handed demand of conformity, silence, and, and being allowed to be influenced by the patterns of the world. Now, now, if you say that phrase to, to the majority evangelical church, they would agree to no end with what I just said. Absolute agreement. That's right, Joel. That's why we've got to stand up and make our voice heard. That's why we need to picket in the streets. That's why we need to rush our, you know, our senators and our governors, and we need to demand righteous judgment, and we need to, you know, have rallies and and, and invite the latest prophets to come and speak the real truth into the lies of the age. That's why we have to tear down the Democratic Party. That's why we need to expose lot. And see, here's the thing where I want to make a stark difference from, from that, from what I'm saying. Because it is very, very different. Because many, many people, millions now, of the Christian evangelical patriotic right will say what I just said word for word. But what I'm saying is, I am convinced, and I feel at liberty to share this in small measure today, I think that majority, which is huge now, 
I think they are ones that are also deceived. I think that the Christian right majority are deceived themselves. And the worst part of deception is you don't even know it. And so what I talked about briefly in our whiteboard teaching this morning is that I feel like, and again, we have to be so clear because the majority is saying the same verbiage as what I often say from a broad stroke approach, which is the church is asleep. The church is too quiet. The church is too you know, uh, politically correct. The church is too this, too soft. So we need to stand up and shout and declare we are here and we will not be silenced. Now, this has got to be plainly and and precisely explained to be differentiated between what that is saying and what I'm saying. Because what I'm saying is I am convinced what has to happen in in this hour is the woke church, and I'm doing air quotes, the church who thinks because she watches these alternative news programs now, and she's in large measure, you know, leaving Facebook and leaving Fox News because now the in the media that they say that they hate. That form of media, it's not a lack of media, it's just a more desirable form of media that speaks their own language. And now you go create your own community platforms because this one silences you. All we're really doing is we're following the trail that leads to what we already want to do and what we already believe. And so church, wide way Patriotic Christian American Evangelical Church, please listen, if you would. Could it be possible that you are as deceived as those as as deceived as those you're trying to no end to point out are deceived? So many people right now in the church are bragging about how woke they are. You're not gonna fool us. We really know what's happening. This prophet is telling us this is what's really happening. God is exposing the lies. He's resetting this nation. And we know the truth. We know the inside scoop on what's really happening in church. I'm just going to tell you, no, you do not. No, you do not. If you still continue to filter everything that you do and everything that you think towards through a national government in the, that's, that's steeped within the patterns of the world, you yourself will be led astray. Because Yahweh God in no way, no how ever, desires to be confined to a national government that is established by men. Okay? Now we can argue all day long about the Founding Fathers' intent towards this nation and what what they were doing and why. One of the things I'm working on to great measure is using several scriptures that I've been looking at. Um, I've already referenced a little bit about looking into Isaac redigging the wells of his father and some more identity issues found throughout the Old Testament understanding that I think we have been duped. I don't think so. I've known so for a long time, but it's really come to the forefront right now in this year, 2020. Because the the founding and the origin is off, 
and deception is in place from the very outset, we have what we have today. We have a church that cannot function within the confines of the national boundaries and laws because it was never meant to be it was never meant to be bound by them. Okay, we're talking about a kingdom mindset that cannot be squeezed and forced into a national identity. Okay, now there this is this is full of layers because I am a full proponent of understanding a governmental system that is on natural earth. I believe in Israel. I believe in the plans for Jerusalem. I believe that Yeshua the Messiah, he will return and he will sit enthroned upon a natural earth from a natural location, from the city of Yahweh God that he himself put his name upon. Yes, amen. But what I always have to make clear is that is not, (laughs) it is not America. It is not America in any way, in any, in any fashion. It was never meant to be her, and it will never be crammed into her any more so than Yeshua could be crammed into being a natural king of the kingdoms of men when he came the first time around. He said, y'all don't get it. I'm, I'm not here to serve you in such a way and to set up a, a, a natural kingdom where I sit enthroned and you are my royal subjects reaping my benefits in a natural way. I am kind of setting up a kingdom that is just a a tiny bit larger than that and cannot be held to the confines of mere kingdoms of men. And so here we are today with the mindset of placing Jesus upon a presidential seat upon a government that he does not desire to possess. That's my perspective. It pigeonholes me. Pretty much every person, every human being I know, for the most part, pushes me out the door right then and there in their heart and in their mind, and I understand that, and that's fine. But I'll continue to say for the rest of my days until the Lord changes my understanding towards it that we have to be careful that this analytical mindset that is that is so prevalent right now within the Broadway church, I see it influencing people I would call elect, that they are so distracted by the governmental system of this nation that I continually say is so young, in its infancy, and off from the very outset, from the very beginning, was was bent on being derailed. I mean, its destiny was to be derailed because of the esoteric founding principles that we won't even get to maybe ever on this program. But in her attempt to be relevant and and cram the Bible and the the kingdom of the Messiah into a a natural, national, worldly pattern, the church has fallen asleep. And to stick and and maybe return to this paragraph of what Spurgeon was saying, the evidence is everywhere. The evidence of what I'm saying, whether you like it or not, or whether you agree with me or not, you have got to admit that right now the present posture and condition of the church in this ice age, if you will, is she herself has not stayed hot and flowing. She is ice cold. She has been altered. She, the church, has been greatly affected and removed from any type of authority. I have been saying for years now, years and years and years, that the Christian church 
speaks the rhetoric and the verbiage of how she carries authority and she boasts all the time about her authority. Yet when things happen on this earth, specifically in this nation of the American church's boasting, she speaks as if she is so, so powerful and strong and how she is she is so awesome and incredible. She speaks as if she has authority, but yet she has none. And friends, can we not just say, she speaks as if she has authority, yet she has none. To use this Spurgeon quote, I would say appropriately, in this age of coronavirus, political chaos, which is nothing new at all. It's just a heightened version of the same thing that has always been. (sighs) Metaphorically, it's really cold. It's sub-freezing temperatures. There's icicles everywhere. And if the church were as she says she is, but if instead of just in verbiage, but in real life, she would continually be flowing. She would still be flowing. Her prophetic words would be coming to pass. The oracles of God would be spoken in truth. They would be victorious in places unseen and not just on the surface where they say, we cannot be wrong. We cannot lose. The church is so infatuated with never losing. Being the greatest, She continues to advance a Babylonian empire understanding. She's obsessed with being the best, being the most favored, being the most blessed people on the earth. Hands down, we will win. Until she humbles herself and lays herself low, she's going to remain frozen, ineffective, and be nothing but a clanging symbol in the ears of the world. No influence, no voice, no authority. No living water reality to continue to use this metaphorically speaking. She's frozen. Why? Blessing, favor, comforts, entertainments, they have lulled the church to sleep. She looks the same as the world. We go to the same, uh, until this year, we went to the same entertainments, sports, movies, indulgences, You go to a buffet, you eat your weight in food. Why would anyone say that's wrong? It's the American way. That's what you do here. Multi-million dollar homes, lavish living, finest car every two or three years, best clothes, best makeup, best jewelry, comfortable. I've had to face that this year. This is, the Lord put me on this about five years ago, this, this, new trajectory of leaving my comforts and, and really examining quite transparent that I'm a, I'm a guy who likes things a certain way and when they're not a certain way, I really don't function well. And so the Lord in his kindness and his goodness and as, as a perfect father can, he put me into a circumstance that was very hard for me for years, yet totally awesomely a blessing to me equally so because it taught me that I can come out of myself, I can be uncomfortable, at times I can even be miserable, yet I can be adding things to my life 
that is expanding the kingdom of God in me and it is, it is fully advancing my sanctification process because I'm in the suffering servant lifestyle. I am literally denying myself what I want. Now, fast forward to 2020. I still am reckoning with things that I will for the rest of my life in differing measure. I'm still a man who enjoys comforts. I'm still a man who likes things being a certain way at certain times to my advantage. And instead of saying, well, Joel, quit being so hard on yourself. Can we just flip the tables on that and say, let's be harder on ourselves? Because maybe in the perfect sovereign plan of the Father, he's trying to prepare our hearts for something that's before us. Something that's before our children, our grandchildren. Something that maybe is around the corner in mere months. So anyone, and there are plenty of people in my life, family, friends, brothers, sisters in the Lord, who are having extremely hard circumstances, I have no interest at all to say, you know what, I'm going to pray relief for you, brother. I'm going to pray that all goes away. I find nowhere in me where I do that. When I'm praying for them, like I pray for myself and my own household, my wife, my son, I say, God, accomplish your purposes in us, Father. This, some of these things are excruciating. They're so hard, but it's a training lesson for any who are willing to endure. Who are willing to endure. Instead of fighting off everything that we do not like and the way that things go the way we don't want them to, instead of just being constant opponents of what the Sovereign Father brings our way, what if we invite it with joy and thanksgiving because of the opportunities like Shaul Paul was always talking about. I praise the Lord for the opportunity to endure for the greater work. He was often saying for the good of the church, for the good of the body, I will endure. I will not only endure, I will rejoice in my sufferings because this is producing something in me that would not be produced in comforts. But the church is cold. She's cold, friends. Why is she cold? She's not been tried. She's not been persecuted. This In this nation now, there, China, other parts of the world, man, there are people losing their literal lives for the gospel, but not here. Not here. We bask in the favor of God. And that's why I have such a hard time with so many prophetic words and believers that I really count as mature saying we have got to have things this way for the next four years so that we have more blessing and favor from God and more time to repent. Now, in no way am I saying, hurry up, judgmental God. Hurry up, wrath-wielding God. I am not saying that because I understand that if and when I do that, I'm also saying that to be ushered into me and my own household. I understand that. I'm not... I'm not spiritually um, in kindergarten. I understand that principle. So I am no way saying, bring the wrath, God. I'm not saying that. If you listen to this program, I don't think I have to make that clear. But what I am saying is, how long do we expect to live basking in the freedoms of this nation, living in lavish luxury with no trials, no temptations, In the sense, you know what I'm talking about, right? I don't have to explain that. 
I mean for real persecution. Not, well, you wore a shirt with a cross on it and someone laughed at you at the mall. I'm talking about, are we really ready to lose our lives for the sake of Messiah, believing the promise that says, therefore, if I do that, I will find it. That's what I'm talking about. Are we really ready to endure imprisonment? Whips? Beatings? I don't know. I would say no. I would say I'm not. Man, I talk about that in my house almost every day with my wife. We talk about this to great end. What if this? What if that? In church, I'm just going to say as we begin to bring this to a close, unless you begin to thaw out the pipes of your life, the church will not endure. She won't endure well. She will silently go away. And friends, I'm telling you, silently going away can look like making a whole bunch of noise and racket on the internet. Being silent, according to what I'm talking about, could look like mailing your senator every morning for the next year. Being silent might look like leaving Facebook and going to some other platform so that you can talk about how awesome President Trump is. From the perspective of what I'm talking about, that too is not proper use of your voice, church. There's something greater behind all of this. And the church is so distracted. I said this Man, I began really saying this probably 90 days ago. Man, the church is just so distracted. That was way before the election stuff came. And then, oh no, I thought she was distracted before. And so what if the woke church isn't woke at all? What if she's being deceived just in greater measure and she's so stirred to excitement and emotion, she doesn't even know it. That's what I'm saying. I believe I see. And this is my cry lately. Where's the introspection itself? Not just talk, not just emotion, not just getting riled up against the bad guys anymore. What about in the mirror? What do we see? I am crying out to the Lord, man. My wife and I did this two or three days ago. God, you've got to search me because... I know in certain ways of my life, I myself am deceived. I know I have scales over my eyes in certain areas that I don't even know. Areas I'm flat out wrong. Areas that I'm just not rightly, accurately hearing what the Spirit's saying in this hour. God, clean me up. If there's something in my life that is a distraction to the point it's to my spiritual detriment and I don't hear your voice clear... Lord, reveal it, extract it from me. I surrender it. I will give it to you if you show me what it is. There's areas of bondage to this world and the patterns therein in my life, oh Father. Please help me purge these things from me. So church, what if you're not as woke as you've been led to believe? What if you're not as like... Man, so many people are just talking so boastfully about they're just in this perfect download stream of what Yahweh God is speaking right now in this age. And they hear the word of the Lord every waking second of their life, man. 
Church, where's your discernment? I'm seeing so many people I consider elect, man, taking the bait of deception and taking off huge bites and saying, we know the truth and we're going to expose all the lies. And church, all I'm saying is there's lies right here in us. There's deception in us. The church is frozen. In all the cold environment of 2020, man, unless the Holy Spirit brings brings and breathes that heat upon her and she allows it to come and thaw her out so that there are streams of living water flowing out of her again, man, the church is going to be so ineffective. And I'm not talking about governments of men now. I'm not talking about overturning abortion. I'm not talking about how many votes the evangelical church gets. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about principalities and powers. I'm talking about patterns of the world that influence every single facet of humanity and often go unseen because the church is so distracted by worldly matters. Spurgeon said, if the inner life be there, such is the native heat that you cannot freeze it. It is a constant force and power that it will continue flowing still. Friends, the church has got to fess up and realize, you know what? We're cold. We're cold. And even all this all this emotional mess right now of of signing petitions and raising your fist and saying, no, no, no. Even that can be sourced in a frozen and cold church because it's natural, it's fleshly, because it's bound within affecting and altering the natural national kingdoms of men. Our source has got to be sure. Are we trying to establish an unshakable, unseen kingdom? Or are we trying to cram it into a natural kingdom of men? The church has got to ask this question. Are we laboring to establish an unshakable, unseen realm kingdom? Or are we trying to cram it into a natural, national kingdom of men? That's no quick answer, friend. That takes some pondering. That takes some prayer. Are you willing to do that? I am. I'm doing it now. Will you do it with me? Maybe you already are. Yes and amen. But all I'm saying, and then we're going to be done today, is this this constant plea from the depths of my heart now that I'm rarely bringing up. Again, this is the second podcast I've done in two weeks because I will not be a guy who just gushes upon the current status of the church every time I turn this on. And if you've watched or listened to my my podcast over the last 30 to 60 days, you've seen we've done a lot of teachings. We've done a lot of Bible stuff now. Commentaries have been low. And I just want to make that point clear that like, I don't think about this 24-7, but it is something that is a very strong conviction in my heart that is a very unique position and viewpoint that basically pushes me out of every circle I've ever known in my entire life in 47 years. Because I don't, I don't believe the Father is interested in cramming his eternal kingdom 
into a very young national kingdom of men. So do with it what you will, friend. I'm putting it out on the table before you for consideration at least. What's the condition of the church? Well, what's the condition of us individually? And we will know. If all the church and the individualness of her, how it, how it boils down, if you will, to the individual life of a man, a regenerated Christ man now, not, not just a churchgoer guy, not just someone who keeps, keeps feasts and Sabbath, not just someone who asked Jesus in their heart when they were four and a half and got baptized and has done nothing since. I'm talking about a regenerated Christ man, born of the water, born of the Spirit, regenerated. What are we doing? And when we find out individually what we're doing, we will find out corporately what in fact we're doing or not doing. And then we can make some changes. But it has to begin in our own individual lives and in our homes first. We're trying to change the corporate church when we've got to change our own hearts first. So friends, would you do that today? Would you consider that? You've been listening to the Path to Zion podcast. We are rediscovering the ancient way. Find us online 24-7 at pathtozion.com. Send us an email Podcast at gmail.com is the place to do it. Send us anything you want. Any opinion, any vantage point, any doctrinal differences, challenges, corrections. I don't care. I say that all the time. I am open to correction. I am open to other opinions, which has allowed me to get to where I am today because I'm not so close that I only believe my Baptist doctrine from 1982. We've got to be willing to have the plurality of the body serve their functions. We need one another. So consider doing that. Path Design Podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe on YouTube. Thank you for listening. Amen.